Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast. We bring you the very best recorded panels, workshops, and seminars concerning role-playing game design and publishing. This has been made possible by the generous contributions of the panel speakers and Double Exposure with their leading game design convention, Metatopia. Episode 102, A Designer's Guide to Podcasts, recorded at Metatopia 2015, presented by James D'Amato, Alex Roberts, and Kat Cool. Great. Good morning, everyone. Uh, hey, welcome to A Designer's Guide to Podcasts. Uh, let's go down the line and introduce ourselves. I'm Kat Cool. I am one half of the uh, creative, creator team. I don't. We, James and I created the One Shot Podcast Network. I uh, host the podcast campaign. Yeah, I'm the other half of that awkward sentence yep. that just happened. Yeah. Uh, and I host the One Shot What's Podcast. What's your name? My name is James D'Amato. Cool. Good catch. Mm-hmm. Good catch. Partners, you can tell. Partners! <laughs> True business partners. Um, and my name is Alex Roberts. Uh, you might know me from the Tabletop Superhighway, and you will soon know me for an exciting, secret, upcoming new podcast. Is it secret? Can we talk about tell it? Tell the yes. entire world. Yo, announcement <laughs> official. I am going to have a new show on the One Shot Network. It's going to be called Backstory, and I'm going to be doing interviews with game designers and other notable folks in the gaming community. I'm stoked. Y'all are going to love it. You'll be able to listen to it very soon. And probably be on it if you talk to her about scheduling right now. (laughs) Um, So we decided to put this panel together because uh, podcasts are a great tool for game designers. Uh, Just to get a quick uh, read on the room, how many game designers are in the audience right now? Yeah. Yay! That's that's good. Good. don't no way <laughs> yeah, if you thought of a rule you're a game designer so <laughs> congratulations right. okay. uh, so podcasts are a great tool but they're sort of new to everyone uh, they're even new to the podcasters themselves uh, well there are plenty of other markets that have an established media pro- protocol because you guys have to do so much of your own marketing uh, there's no established protocol uh, you don't know where to turn I think Designing games is super fun. Uh, playing games is super fun. That creative process of writing games can even be fun. Uh, the thing that I really think is not fun is self-promotion. Uh, you know, this is a hobby that has a lot of uh, people who are not extroverted personalities. And you know, making you jump through the hoops to put yourself out there and try to sell someone something is unfair. Thankfully, there are folks like us uh, who are a little bit more extroverted or at least committed to putting ourselves out there in public spaces, Uh, which means that you can get us to do the hard work for you. Um, And we just want to make it easier right now for everyone to set up that relationship. Uh, So the first thing is know how to talk about your game. So uh, there are a bunch of, of other panels uh, I saw that talk about how to make a good pitch. That's really what we're talking about. You know, that's know how to describe your game in, like, two or three sentences max. Um, short to the point, not really buzzwordsy. Instead, just the meat and feel of your game. Um, because uh, if you don't have that little pitch down, 
we're not going to be able to remember it when you tell it to us at cons, and uh, the email's going to be too long and probably get buried in our stuff otherwise. But like a, hey, I have a game, it is this, is a great starter anywhere. And, I mean, there's a certain way to tell someone about a game, too. Like, I know the game is your baby, and you can tell me every aspect of it, you know, from beginning to end. Um, but you have to think about what is what is the way to quickly describe my game that makes people go, oh. And, the way, and you can test. Describe it four or five different ways and see what makes people go like, yeah, that's cool. And what makes people go like, oh. And that's also uh, something I think a lot of people get scared of when making pitches is comparing it to another game that is similar. Uh, I think that's actually super useful because it's like, oh, you're taking this, but you're putting this spin on it. I understand what why that could be cool. You yeah. know, that it's like, it's not... People aren't going to be like, oh, well, you didn't do enough work. That's not... You're not pitching never to an done that. alien audience uh, when you're pitching a game, especially when you're pitching it to a podcaster. Yeah. We have gone out of our way to play a bunch of different games. So when you go, oh, it's uh, D&D, but Farscape with a twist. Like mm-hmm. We already have a small image in our head of what that could possibly mean. You have uh, said something useful to us. Uh there, are the, the formula that I have for summarizing uh, is, like what Kat said, three sentences or less, uh, leading with the most interesting and unique aspect of your game. Uh, and I would dissuade you from making that a mechanical aspect. It's better to make that a conceptual aspect. Um, you can make it a mechanical aspect if it, you have a really, really shiny mechanic. Uh, the game that I always go to is Dread. Um, Dread is the most pitchable game in the world. It is a horror game where instead of rolling dice, you use a... (laughs) Is it locked? Someone really wants in. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, instead of using dice, you use a Jenga tower. If the tower falls, characters die. Uh, That's... Really, a really concise way to put it. It's something that immediately builds something up in somebody's imagination. That's what you want for your game. You want to lead with the shiny, sexy aspect of your game. Yeah, and you can um, you can use other games to talk about your game, but make sure you don't do it in a negative way. Because mm-hmm. so, oh, it's absolutely. really it's really off putting to hear someone say like, "It's my D and D," but instead of all that dice and math, it's got this instead. Like. No, no, tell me what's good about your game and what your game does really well, and not like, oh, it's not like those other games that have, you know, pass or fail. It's this, so... A lot of us get into this because we want to promote games in general and the community and inclusivity, so we're pretty put off when negativity is the first thing we we meet with. Especially because there's a decent chance that the game you're talking shit about might be one that we like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not doing yourself any favors. So yeah, (laughs) short, punchy, some kind of hook... And, and positive. It's and, also, oh, yeah. I wanted to say before I got to, too far into this that um, there are so many ways to contact us. That's So think about the right way to talk about your game through those different channels because there's in-person, there's email. Uh, we're all pretty much on Twitter, and that's a really easy way to get in touch with us, but please don't start with, I have a game, let me tell you about it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, instead be like, hi, do you have a second to chat? And then we could jump into... DMs or whatever. Um, and then uh, also there's James is on stuff like Reddit. I'm on Tumblr. There are lots of different ways to get this sort of thing out there. Like if you tag me into something on Tumblr, I'm probably going to read it. Um, so that's like a, 
you know, that is a place where you can ramble, because that is the format of the site, and I'm down for that, especially if they're pretty pictures. So it's just, like, know the format through which you want to discuss your mm-hmm. thing, and uh, where the people you want to pitch it to exist. Yeah, and uh, the the other uh, the other thing, the last thing I'll say about pitching, uh, we mentioned buzzwords earlier, um, and some of you might be going, what are buzzwords? How do I know if it's in my thing? Uh, I cannot tell you how many pitches I've gotten that's like, oh, it's a streamlined rules light system that focuses on story. <laughs> you have described 10,000 games, if that is your pitch. And very much nothing. But things like uh, story game or RPG, that is not a buzzword. That is just the description of what type of game you, you have. Right. But basically, the test is, does the word describe... Does, does the word actually tell me anything or not? Like, yeah. Yeah. rules light, that's vague. I mean, are, is there one rule? Are there ten rules? Um, diceless, that tells me something of value. Uh, mm-hmm. GMless, okay, mm-hmm. I know that. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, it's what you have to, at the end of your two to three sentences, you have to ask yourself, does this describe my game, or could this conceivably describe many games? Mm-hmm. And if it can describe many games, uh, go back to the drawing board a little bit. And this is a thing where I definitely invite you to uh, ask your friends and ask other people, uh, just so you're not the only one stressing out about whether or not it's perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect; it just has to work. Um, and you, like, we can work with a lot of things. Uh, but with that, let's move on from pitches and go into know who you are talking to. Oh my god! <laughs> Do you guys ever get an email that's like, "Dear sir or madam, uh, your co- <laughs> your your web." was of great interest like oh. I don't get well uh, yeah we do get those as comments but I'm just like okay that's spam whatever but I get a lot of them that are like hey we have this board game that would be awesome if you guys uh, if you guys ran on your podcast which is like we're not a board game review podcast. We'd like to one day be able to play board games on our show, but we don't have video yet. That's just so out of the realm of possibility. Um, so uh, yeah, it's a matter of like you don't need to know everything about them. You don't need to be their fan, but it's like a you could listen to an episode, understand how they work, and if their format suits the whether it's an interview, discussion, actual play. Uh, lots of different types of shows handle different types of games. Um, and, like, also, not all... We do mostly actual plays. So yeah. that's... Uh, there are lots of different actual plays out there. We're pretty indie game focused. There are other places are, like, war game focused. You know that there are... No, no, who we are. So uh, yeah, and you can you can do this uh, by like starting with uh, reading the about sections of sites. Uh, going, Ours is probably garbage, though. Uh, it, but it tells it's garbage, but it still tells you what we do. Good. Uh, if you can listen to an episode, uh, if you for whatever reason really can't be bothered to listen to an episode, at least read an about section. Uh, maybe talk to some of your friends that do listen to shows to get an idea of what's going on. Uh, the more information you have up top, the clearer you're going to be as you move forward into actually reaching out. And you're, you're also going to know if the show is going to be a good fit for your game. Because it might seem like a good idea to just you know fan out and contact as many places as possible, but honestly, it's going to be a much better use of your time and energy if you're able to say, oh, this game, you know, this show talks about games that are very, very similar to mine, and their audience would love it, or they would love it, mm-hmm. you know? 
that's yeah, that's going to be much more fruitful. Yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you, uh, Kat and I are very focused on trying to be positive about every game that we play. But recently, we played Rogue Trader, and I will say that was a different experience than the experience I normally have with games. While I know uh, it was a fun episode. I don't know if Fantasy Flight would be overly thrilled by the way Rogue Trader looked at the end of things. Um, so, you know, the, but there are some people who are diehard Warhammer 40k people and could, like, make that system sing. Uh, so if you have a game, like, like, like Alex said, knowing if these are the people who are going to go to bat for your game and really push uh, to make it look as good as possible. I think that that trans transitions into nicely into know what you're looking for because like that if you know us and what we do that you might just know that we do actual plays it's more useful to know that we do indie games it's most useful to know that we usually use a stable of chicago improvisers which means the show's focus on entertainment and comedy um that's we love horror games we might not always be the best thing for your very serious history or horror game and uh knowing what you want out of the podcasting experience is i think Super important going in, because, like, Rogue Trader, great game, not something that could ever have played well. Uh, like, our, well, non-comedically I mean, not, it wouldn't, on yeah, it wouldn't, Like, it won't play the way that, uh, that they that intend it was people to receive it. But, like, we play every game to be entertaining, yeah. so... You know, like, uh, a great example is Headspace, Mark Richardson's Headspace, really great game, and can make for some fascinating, serious roleplay. We received a playtest version of it, Mark was originally going to run it for us, and then he couldn't make the connection, so I had to run it. It became very, very silly very, very quickly. He still got good exposure, but people only got the faintest idea of what was supposed to be going on in the game. But also, if you came in with an email saying, I like what you do, my game is very serious, uh, saying that in the email is something that we can put together people that'll take it more seriously. Or, my game is super crunchy, and that's important to me that it gets across, and we can help find that. And and that's that's a respectful thing as well. Like, even, you know, you mentioned someone getting in touch and being like, I have a board game, you guys should run it. That's really stupid. But (laughs) if you just have a board game and you're like, Hey, listen, I know you guys don't do board games, yeah. but I made this particular one that I think will work well for these reasons. Like, like engage, and it really just comes back to, like, know the, sh- know the show. Like, know who you're talking to. Have yeah. some sense of, of what you're actually If you say, to. I've got something for you, but it shows that you know what you're talking about uh, when you're talking about both us and your game. Uh, what about things that aren't actual plays or playthroughs or any of that well, sort of thing? Well, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Kat, because <laughs> I took the liberty of typing up a list of the most common ways for game designers to interact with podcasts. Uh, First uh, and foremost is ads. Um, This is because it's easy and pretty much every podcast takes ads. Uh, There are several different kinds of ads. Uh, There are pre-roll ads. They come up right at the top of the show. Uh, Sometimes even before the intro music it'll be like, this podcast is sponsored by Game Beans. Buy Game Beans uh, and that'll be it. (laughs) Usually ads are most effective when they are a minute and under. Uh, There are plenty of podcasts that will indulge going over a minute. It's just after a while, you're building up resentment instead of actually informing (laughs) your audience. My favorite people are actively disliking you because it's like, oh yeah, that thing I have to hear about before I can listen to the show I like. My favorite to read are also around 15 seconds because I can do something fun with that and I won't be tripping over words and I won't have to re-record parts of it or anything to make it sound good. So if I'm like, if I have a 15 second thing, I'm like, I can nail that and then people will feel comfortable with it 
people hear it and uh, not be like, why was I, why for an hour, di- or an hour, for a minute, yeah, an hour, did I listen to this before listening to what I wanted to listen to? Uh, then there are sponsor spots, which uh, it's not an industry term yet, um, but some podcasts do these where they will start off the show going, this episode is sponsored by blank. Uh and they will probably read a couple paragraphs about your game and basically explain the hook. They will give a short pitch uh, for your game. Why is it different than a pre-roll ad? A pre-roll ad is ad copy. Uh, it's very directed language. A sponsor spot is sort of empowering the podcast host to put a little bit more of a face on the product. Uh, it's... So it's more casual. I can give an example, because this is one we use all the time. Uh, that's uh, a good pre-roll that we have is Cards Against Humanity. It's uh, This episode is, is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad. Enjoy the show. That's an ad. That's a great ad. It also gives you a, a, like, a hint at their feeling and what their company's about. Because they go, oh, the audience goes, oh, man, it's so cool of them not to ask <laughs> them to read an ad. I literally got that comment like two or three times from different fans, and it's like, that was an ad, dudes. <laughs> yeah, um, but if they were to do a, like a, a a sponsor spot, we'd probably actually talk about we'd, the card matching mechanic and what the game, the feel of, and who it was made by. That sort of that's thing. That's also if you have either a game or a game studio or a game product um, that kind of has enough recognition that you can sort of get away with that. Yeah, that you can just that the purpose of your ad can seriously just be like more brand recognition and like increase like positivity towards your brand. You're in, a, you're in a good spot, and that's yeah. really nice. But for most things, it's going to be something that maybe people have heard of, maybe they haven't, and so it's better to to ha- to not just be like this. You know, this episode is sponsored by this game company you've never heard of. Moving on, like yeah. <laughs> you're going to want to give people some info. Right? If you were one of the larger companies, like I would definitely believe, like Evil Hat would uh, be well served by buying ad spots on podcasts for Kickstarters. Mm. Being like, hey, check out this fake Kickstarter. This ad was paid for by Evil Hat mm-hmm. because they're helping out the little guy and also shoving their name right in front of people. Yeah. Uh, you know, it might not be super useful for uh, you guys at this stage, but it will be later on. <laughs> um, finally, there, there's mid-roll ads. Mid-roll ads happen in the middle of the show. They're basically the same format as pre-roll ads. They are technically more valuable uh, because... People know to skip past the ads at the front of the show. If they really hate ads, they can press fast forward. If it's mid-roll, they don't know when it's coming. Um, and then, wow, you got them. And you got them. <laughs> Depending on the format of the show, that can be really great, especially if it's something that has lots of segments. I know that for my show, it could never work because my audience would get mad that it's interrupting a story. Yeah. Um, As we're on a discussion show, chances are they break it into yeah. two or three. So that's a great spots. way to so, do it. Yeah, that's a perfect space to just have you know two sentences about your thing. And then there's sponsored content that is actually commissioning an episode. Super expensive. Uh, to commission an episode of One Shot is $100 per hour of finished content. Uh, so for games, that's usually ends up being three or $400 for an ad. Uh, the reason uh, it's so expensive is it's a lot of work for us, and it's super valuable to you because that is content that they are actually seeking out. It's not like an ad where, like, oh, man, I can't believe I have to listen to this ad. That's literally what we do. You're just creating more of it. Yeah. Um, like, uh, William Muma, who uh, 
does uh, Pathfinder Supplements commissioned a series of episodes for us that ran in conjunction to regular one-shot episodes. So fans were thrilled because they're like, oh man, it's coming Double out twice content. this week. We got more content, which, you know, there you go. Um, I'll, I'll just do a quick note about CPM here. CPM is the way in which you figure out how expensive a podcast is. Uh, Generally speaking, a pre-roll ad spot is ten to seventeen dollars per thousand listeners to the podcast. Uh, one shot, for instance, has five thousand subscribing listeners. Uh, it's really hard to count your listeners, but like we figured out, it's roughly five thousand. Uh, so that makes uh, our pre-roll ads kind of expensive, uh, but it also means it's reaching more people. For Kickstarters, generally speaking, it's $30, uh, which is way less than half of what it would cost because we want you guys to be able to get your games out there. And, you know, honestly, like, the more ads in our show, the better it is for us, uh, and it's just how we negotiate that with our fans. But we'll try to make sure that you come off good. So that's ads. Uh, There's interviews. I think you guys know what interviews are, as you are human beings, and you live in a society that is oversaturated with media. It's also worth noting, though, that there not all interview shows are the same. Some really want to talk about your game, some just want to talk about you. And well, it's yeah. really super worth knowing which type you're going to be talking this to. This comes right back to you listen to the show. Yeah. Like, listen to the show before you contact them. Um, you know, and so, like, on, on Tabletop Superhighway, um, when we had people on, it was almost never in an interview. It was just come on our show and join us in our discussion. And that's actually discussion guest is the <laughs> next type of uh, thing, which, yeah, discussion guest is great. Uh, I think it is one of the best ways to sell yourself as a game designer, as a person. Discussion guest is where you go on a show like Tabletop Superhighway and you discuss an area of your expertise. It makes you look really good because the audience goes, wow. This person knows a lot about pre-Civil War military stuff. (laughs) I really want to do their historical-based game now because I know they have a huge background in history. Um, It sells you as a person, which we will get to that in a little bit. Uh, But yeah, discussion is awesome. So I think that's knowing what you're looking for. That is almost knowing what you're looking for. The last one is actual play, which we talked about a much. But that's another way to interact. Uh, So, yeah. How to talk to podcasters. So uh, we're almost there, actually. Oh, no. Uh, Being direct with podcasters is important. Uh, I mentioned CPM and whatnot. Uh, CPM, like I said, is $10 to $17. Podcasters decide how much they want to charge for ads. Yeah, Yeah, like that's a good guideline, but ultimately it's up to them. Exactly. It is up to them. So how expensive? does not necessarily denote uh, how many listeners they have. Do not be afraid to ask a podcaster how many listeners they have. I don't know why in this business uh, people are really cagey about their numbers, and they shouldn't be because that's how you make informed decisions. Uh, We're also not really used to taking on ads a lot of the time, like... uh, especially smaller shows. Like, there's so many shows out there in the 300 to 600 category, which is really great because that's still a lot of people. Uh, We're in a tiny, tiny niche within a niche, you know, uh, hobby. And so a podcast that has six, five, six hundred regular listeners is probably still, like, one of the big podcasts that people think is, like, important and worth listening to. And they're engaged listeners, too. Yes. Which is, which is why, so, like... Don't be afraid to ask them about their numbers because, like, it helps you make a more informed decision. Uh, 
and you will know, like, oh, gosh, you know, I would love to get an ad on this show because it's, like, directly in my demographic, but uh, $50 for 300 listeners is not really worth it for me right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, empower yourself by asking for that information. If they don't want to give it to you, then, you know, Lord knows what's going on there. Uh, but, yeah, let's go on to how to talk to podcasters. Sure. I don't know. You're the one who put it on the thing. <laughs> Please be yourself. There we go. Find within yourself the part of you that is professional and that is courteous and that is confident, but get get in there and find that because we're all role players, okay? <laughs> we can tell when you're just LARPing as a businessman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. Like, just... If you are yourself, it, like it comes across, you know. If you if you send us an email that says like, "Oh, I'm the biggest fan of your show ever. I think it's the best." We're we're gonna know whether you yeah. know, whether yeah. or not that's true. And if you, um, we're gonna know if you have if you actually have confidence in in your product in your game that that you want to demo or that you want to promote. Um, and if you don't have confidence in your product, why are you promoting it? Indeed, why are you spending time on it at all? Yeah. <laughs> so, like. You're going to hear, like, be professional, be confident, and those are true, but make sure that comes from, from in you. Um, it, it's easier to do over email. This is why email is such a great way to, to promote yourself because you can. it's a little easier to lie. But ultimately, especially if you come on the show, yeah. like, you know, just, just be you because that's, that's way more valuable. That's also the thing that's going to help us remember you and want to work with you again right. in the future. You know, that it's the – there are – Lots of cookie cutters of what we're all supposed to be, even in games. You know that there is like an image of what the the good games creator is, and mm-hmm. I, I don't care about that at all. <laughs> you know, I just want to know people. I think we're all kind of like that because we like collecting stories, which is why we have podcasts where we do that. So I'm going to give a piece of advice that might sound a little contradictory, but it's not. Interesting. And that is be professional. What do I mean by be professional? That is treat the podcast like it is a legitimate media outlet. Much like you, us podcasters are also craving legitimacy and uh, <laughs> to be recognized as something real. Uh, we, we, we all work hard. Game designers work for hours and hours thanklessly, and so do podcasters. So when you approach us like what we have is important and valuable, we feel good about it, and we want to represent you more. Uh, I, we'll, we'll go on uh, and talk about this a little bit. But uh, putting together a press packet, uh, like, can blow our minds. Uh, there's a yeah. really big success story that, like... We'll get there, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that, but yeah. yeah. Uh, Even if you think, well, you know, these, these, these folks aren't professional. It's not like a pro podcast. It feels really nice when you get that email that's like, hello, legitimate person whose work means a lot. You know, here is, you know, and you engage in that in that way. Um, yeah, it, it, it feels good, you know, and in the same way that, that if you have a game company, even if it's just you and you might think like, oh, no, but it feels good when someone says like, Hey, you're an industry professional at this, at this convention. Like, yeah, you, of course you want that. That's, um, sometimes, uh, 
How to explain this? Okay, um, something that is super useful in to me is uh, in, when you send us a, a professional email outlining things is like a, a attached. I have a brief thing with like the basic mechanics of my game and stuff like that for you to look over. Um, let me know if I can explain anything or if that makes sense to you. That's great because it gives me the opportunity to understand whether or not we're the right fit fast. Uh, something, but something else that happens is we have people be like, "Can you review our game?" and give it to us, which is like, we provide a service sometimes that you could pay money for that is reviewing your game. <laughs> um, but this was a weird way to start off that conversation. You know, it's not a, are you guys open to looking at this? It's, bam, here's my 300-page game. Uh, please read it. <laughs> and it's just like, that's that feels like back to not knowing who you're talking to. You know, it's just the, that we put out a lot of content we barely have time to read 300 thing, 300 page things that we really want to read. Right. Yeah, and nobody wants to get an email that's just like, "Here's a bunch of work." Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and finally, the thing I will say about how to talk to podcasters is feel free to nudge. Uh, oh God, yes. So there are so many unanswered emails in our inbox right now, and I feel super guilty about each one of them. But every time I get around to one, ten new ones come in. Uh, if you feel like you have been overlooked, like give it a week. If you don't get a response in a week, feel free to send another email. Like, it, you're, it's not going to be clear that you are bothering someone until they reach out to you and tell you, "Hey, you're bothering me." <laughs> uh, that's fine because you know what? You have to advocate for your product, yes. and like, if you're, you you can also make the decision. Uh, it's not worth my time because they're not getting back to me fast enough. You know, that's that's on them. Yeah. Uh, but you got to watch out for yourself and make sure that you feel like you're being prioritized. And, <laughs> <laughs> and even that nudge comes, again, from a professional place and a place of confidence in what you have. Um, and, and, that just, and that doesn't mean, like I said, adhering to some sort of business you know, etiquette that you learned in some shitty college course. Like, it means, hey, just want to send you a quick note, wonder if you had a chance to look at, at what I had. It, let me know if you have any questions, right? Like it's the the nudge doesn't have to be doesn't have to come off as like desperate or like no. I really I'm so sorry that I sent you that long thing. Oh, I really need you to like no, you can just you can just be cool. Uh, on the other side of it, I've wanted to have people on the show before, so I've sent out emails and gotten no response. And the immediate feeling is they must hate me and not want to work with me at all. Ever. I have insulted them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But then I've either ran into them in person and asked them on the show, or talked to them through Twitter or a different channel where they're just more active, and they're like, "Yeah, I'd love that." <laughs> you know, it's just clear that. Uh, it either wasn't on their radar, it got buried in their email, lots of those things happen all the time. And I also, I do things where I, I read an email on my phone, and I'm like, that sounds great, I'm going to write an awesome response to that later, and then I forget about it. Yeah. It happens, we're sorry. <laughs> uh, great example, David Sherdewan, who uh, designed Mythic Mortals and several other you know great indie games, uh, he kept on top of us for months, and like... I kept having to like reprioritize and push things around. Uh, his Kickstarter was in like the last week, and uh, I made a tweet about, "Hey, like we're going to run his game soon." And he came to me and was like, uh, "Hey, the Kickstarter's on right now." And I was like, "Oh crap!" So I went out of my way to schedule an episode. We got in in the last forty-four hours of his campaign, uh, and we added, I think, like something like fifty new backers. He broke two stretch goals. 
So it can be valuable to advocate for yourself, and nobody has more uh, like legitimate feeling of like we did him wrong than David Sherdawan. But like, yeah. <laughs> even throughout that, like throughout all the things that might have like ruffled his confidence, he still got it into the point where you know we put it out and it managed to benefit him. So don't like I say nudge, but. Feel free to hound. <laughs> yeah. He, he reached out to us at TTS as well. And I actually just want to say, like, if you're looking for the self-promotion, like, knowledge, seriously talk to that talk guy. Talk to him. Uh, David Turtle one is great. That's like, I, I made friends with him because he invited me to be a judge on a thing. That was a great way that it was just, like, stoked my ego. And, uh, and also, you know, it w- that was a valuable experience for me. I learned a lot about a bunch of small RPGs fast, which is the type of experience I'm looking for. And through that... I feel obliged to him. Um, that, like, he's a great guy. I really like him. But it's like, I we wouldn't have had that sort of friend connection if I hadn't gotten involved in one of his things early on. This is such a tiny industry. Yeah. And honestly, so much of what gets done happens in, like, very, like, casual, personal relationships and mm-hmm. as a result of that. And, uh, you know, that's why you're here. That's part of why you're here at a convention. You know, that's... That's why you listen. Part of why you listen to podcasts because we all kind of want to connect to each other. Yeah. So, like, keep that in mind. Honestly, people want to meet other people who do this weird yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. saying sometimes obligation can sound negative. It is not in this case. We love his products. Yeah. Like that. It's a, that's. It's totally possible for work to for work to hound out all of these things that we think of very positively. So it's just like the so long as we say we love it, we do mean that. At, 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 and I'm. Every podcaster I've met is like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know on TTS we had some some people who reached out to us about coming on the show, but most of our guests were people that we reached out to, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're doing your self promotion stuff elsewhere and um, we and, will and, find you, yeah, like it's it'll happen, right? So all of that all of that can can still happen, and there's there's sending us an email is one way to do that and it's super good but there are lots and lots of appearing on a podcast that we listen to is is a great way (laughs) ask your fan base to evangelize for you yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Um, having said that let's move on to how to talk when you are on a podcast Uh, we already touched a little bit on this earlier when uh, when, uh, Alex said be yourself Uh, when you are on a show uh, and the reason I like discussion shows so much is you're not so much selling your game as you are selling yourself uh, and you are trying to make a connection to the audience that does not happen to be in the room. Uh, so while you're in salesman mode in emails, you should be in you mode on the show itself. And um, t- chances are if someone has you on the show, there's going to be some point at which they specifically say, hey, do you have a, a Kickstarter or where can people find you? Yeah. You know, And there's, there's an invitation to kind of plug. But... Um, being the guy who has nothing to talk about besides his Patreon is not a good brand. <laughs> oh, Patreon guy, yeah. Oh, yeah, that guy, every time I talk to him, he's telling me about his Kickstarter he's going to do someday. That's, and that's literally all I ever hear out of his mouth. That's not good. Like, you're a designer. You have thoughts about design. There are reasons why you got into this. Even if you're not a designer and you're doing community stuff or you're organizing cons or whatever, if you're involved in this hobby... There's probably a cool and interesting reason why, and you probably have really interesting thoughts and experiences um, to share. So, yeah, like, uh, you know, uh, promoting a product, good, there's a time for that. But just think about, like, ultimately, 
the decision to like seek you out and find out more about your work has has a lot to do with how people perceive you. Um, yeah, I mean, like, think about like if you're being interviewed and you talk about gaming experiences you enjoy and games that you love to play. If you love to play Shadowrun and Cyberpunk 2020, you're sending a message to the Cyberpunk nerds in my audience that, oh, this guy is one of us, and the game that he's designed is going to appeal to my direct interests. That's a sale that you just make right there by being yourself. And it's the truest way to reach your actual audience, because if you are yourself, if you are... I'm super interested in American Freeform and and Nordic LARP. You, You don't want to reach... The you know the cyberpunk <laughs> you know Shadowrun people you want to reach the other people who are into that and so it, it sounds corny and it sounds cheesy to just be yourself but that's actually the best way to find out to find out or for other people to find out what you're about and what your stuff is about yeah the valuable book I have a specific note on actual play um, so we sometimes bring in people to play in the games that we run that's actually most of what we do sometimes we have guest GMs come if they designed the game and run um, which we talked a bit about in terms of setting expectations um, but most of the time we're bringing on guests to be players um, and it's it's especially fun when we run a game for the person who designed it that's really enjoyable um, but uh, I've had the interaction a few times with people where we ask, like, what would you like to play? What are your preferred types of characters? That sort of thing, if we're doing pre-gens. And uh, the most common response is, anything I'm flexible. And it's just like... That's not useful. That's not useful. (laughs) It's not useful to you or us. Because that's we'll have improvisers around the table who will take over in front of you. You will probably be a little too nervous because they are forward. Those dudes are professionally flexible. Yeah. That is what they spent years of their life training to be. Uh, So... You know, you are flexible because you're a gamer, you've you've gamed around, but you also know what you're good at. If you are good at the, uh, you know, half-orc barbarian, play the half-orc barbarian and request the half-orc barbarian. And that's also, feel free to say, I'm really good at dramatic scenes, and we'll be like, thank you! Yeah. And we'll set that up, because nobody ever gives us that. So we always go like, well, let's keep it easy for them and keep it fun and light. And that is a less unique uh, experience and it doesn't showcase your strengths as well as it possibly could. Yes, and I can tell you that for a discussion show or an interview show, um, when you come on, the person may ask you like, "What kind of things do you want to talk about?" And if you say whatever, it's gonna be a boring show. It's not uh-huh. uh, not very exciting. I would much much rather have you say, even if you think it's boring, because anybody talking about the thing that they truly love with enough passion is going to be interesting for the audience. Um, Please just be upfront and say like, I like talking about this. I like talking about this. And then also, you can pick a topic that ties into maybe the game that is out right now, right? So nobody wants to hear you talk about, uh, you know, your game that's about space flight for an hour. But <laughs> we can talk about about flight and about vehicles and you know, like some sort of like broader topic that is very relevant to what you have yeah. going on. Advocate to yourself and play to your strengths. Yes. Um, so having said that, let's move on to our case study of somebody that I think did a really, really good job. Yeah. Uh, that is, uh, some of you might have known, uh, seen the Witch role-playing game Kickstarter by Elizabeth C., as she goes by, but it's like, she's pretty cool. Like, she is a first-time designer who uh, had a successful Kickstarter, and she has an impossible-to-pronounce name. 
And she made over $16,000 with her Kickstarter, and the reason she did it is through podcasts. So, like, think about all the things going against that. Like, being a first-time designer, she also had a D20 system, which is like, there's a sea of D20 systems out there. But she was very savvy about how she approached it. Yeah, that's the... Also, keep in mind that most most podcasts have that three to 600 thing. So she submitted to a lot of podcasts as well. This was... It was really quite a feat. Did you guys get get the packet? No, actually. Okay, well, maybe we did. So, uh, <laughs> the way she went about it, she actually put together a press packet. She had a digital press packet and an actual physical press packet, which is a printed document with a poster, with stickers, uh, stickers and uh, a personal note, uh, and like quick start rules for her game. You don't need to have a physical press packet because obviously there was money that she put into that. Yeah. Uh, and like, you know, that's a risk reward situation. But what we got on our end is somebody approached us with the normal pitch that we hear like, hey, I would like you to play my game on your show. Can I have your address so I can send you a press packet? And we go, oh, we're receiving a press packet <laughs> that kind of blew our minds and like all of a sudden like she had engaged us on the most professional level because you know in all other industries they get press packets and review copies and whatnot uh so like sending somebody your pdf like eh, i don't know if that's a great idea uh but say but sending an email to somebody going hey can i send you a review copy yeah that's a different like just that sentence being different changes the context of it and makes it more likely that you'll get on the show. Absolutely. Something else that I think really played to her strengths, um, that she did attach a PDF on that first thing. I don't, not of the full game, but of like, um, the, the character classes really. And, uh, the art was really indicative of the final product, product and the feel of the game. And art is expensive. You know, there, there are also, if you're interested in hiring artists and going through all of that, there are other cool panels mm-hmm. at Metatopia that discuss all of that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I didn't have time to read her game, but I read her thing, went, ooh, we're going to get a press packet? Yeah. Clicked through her PDF and went, oh my god, I love her art. This is about hipster witches in New York. Yeah. You know, that's like, knowing that, it's like, well, obviously we'll play that. And then we got a press packet with a sticker in it. Yeah. So, like, that blew our minds. Yeah, and, it, like, it was an investment. Like, getting the art is a big investment, but chances are if you're doing a Kickstarter, you are going to invest in art before the Kickstarter anyway because that's what makes your page look good. Um so using that as leverage to get on a bunch of shows, she she also had a huge media calendar throughout the process of her Kickstarter. She, right out of the gate, started with a bunch of shows doing actual plays. Uh, then she did a bunch of interviews, and she wrapped up with another actual play. Uh, and then since she's been, like, all over in digital cons and stuff, like... She being she was in another country too. She wasn't in the United States doing this. She did this from like Norway. Uh, so what she did is incredible. She is like very deeply integrated into the RPG community without ever having met anybody face to face. And like you, the proof is in the pudding. That Kickstarter was massively successful. Yeah. Um, so with that, uh, I want to move on to questions, questions. right? Yeah. Unless you have anything to add? No, it's question time. All right, people. This is a point where you get to raise your hand and ask questions. If there's <laughs> a, here we go. Um, I've heard uh, a number of episodes of One Shot where you've worked with uh, rules and games that are in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, how comfortable are you with that? Is that more 
difficult than usual, or are you able to just roll with it? Easier than usual for me, because I can make things up and just play to the strength of the mood of what's happening on the show. Because I am working with improvisers, they are probably going to go on a divergent path. Uh, Like with Mark Richardson's uh, thing, that episode ended up being a very popular episode. It did not sell Headspace uh, beyond putting the name Headspace and getting the general concept in people's mind. So essentially it was a very entertaining pre-roll ad. Uh, but like, because Mark was originally going to run that, I knew the rules a little bit, but I didn't know the full rules. And because we couldn't, like, the Skype call just wouldn't hold, we had to cut him out. And I'm like, okay, I have to run this game now, knowing only the pitch and like how the Apocalypse World system worked. So I was able to land that plane in a really clunky way, but like. You still got the basic concept of the game, uh, and people were entertained. If I get a half-complete game, I skew towards entertainment. Uh, if there is a specific mechanic that you want called out, let us know that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just the... Because then we can showcase it in abundance and find ways to make it work in the without interrupting the plot. Um, that's even if we're just making up the rest of the mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> Something that I feel like I should have said at some point is to keep in mind that... Our goal is to provide interesting, amusing, whatever, in any way valuable uh, content for our listeners, to, give, to, to provide them with that. So your goal is ultimately to promote your thing, but you have to let us know that it's going to achieve our goal, right? Like, keep in mind, our goal is not to promote your stuff. Like, if, if we can do both at the same time, that's when, that's when we're in a good spot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like Shinobi Gami, uh, for instance, it was a game that uh, is about to hit one shot because they're going to be kickstarting soon. Uh, it's a deeply dramatic game, like way, way different than what we normally do. But he came to us, he's like, hey, I have this game about ninjas. It's very dramatic. I would like you to do it. Uh, it's translated from Japanese also. And he sent over like a character sheet and there were 30 skills in the character sheet. And I was like, good God. Uh, <laughs> but they, they ended up commissioning the content and then I played the game and we played it by his rules. You know, I gathered everybody around him like, look, this is going to be a more serious game and I need you to buy into the seriousness of the setting even when you're making jokes. Uh, and the series that came out of it, I think is fantastic. Uh, that's because he knew his product and he knew what he wanted us to highlight. Uh, so when it came time for that ninja action battle scene, I had a great cast of people who were ready to go overboard elaborate with how they were describing it. Um, other questions? We have about ten minutes. How do you guys feel when uh, people send you guys a copy of their game and then request, like, after you guys are done, you guys mail back to me? Oh, we, have it. we have not no gotten that, that yet. yet. Oh, we have not gotten that yet. Oh, interesting. Yeah, well, I do board games mostly, and board games and stuff, and people will be like, I'm going to send you about 40 pounds of miniatures. Awesome! Oh, well, that's When you're done, I kind of need you to mail them back. Oof. Okay, and who's paying for the shipping? I was just going to say, yeah, I was just going to say, like, include, like, a self-addressed, like, pre-ready-to-go, <laughs> send me way more I, money I than it requires to ship it. That. Yeah. Not yeah. yet, but if someone made it easy, I, I wouldn't have a problem with yeah. that. The only thing I'd be like... If it's paper, I'd feel bad because we might crumple it. Yeah, the the, R- <laughs> the RPG thing, like you guys are in a great position because you just need to send PDFs. Yeah, uh, I shouldn't feel me. guilty or like less because you're sending PDFs. PDFs are great. Yeah, yeah. 
And in fact, it would be awkward and inundating if people sent us physical copies of everything. Yeah. yeah. So we would just be like, <laughs> you know, I didn't yeah. do this stuff. And that press yeah, packet was not a finalized book either. It was like a couple printed pages that like eventually I had to recycle. Uh, but it had all these tchotchkes. The stickers were thrown in there. So like that padded out the press packet. The coolest thing about the press packet was a personalized letter where uh, she talked about her hopes and dreams that hooked me right away. That'll hook a lot of people. And uh, also, it's just like those tchotchkes indicated the feel of the game. You know, mm-hmm. that it was a very tumblr game and that's like, oh, <laughs> we know how to do that. You know, yeah. that's... Mm-hmm. Anyone else? More questions? Come on. Alright. Okay. Um, I released my first game as an audiobook along with the physical copy of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, have you guys had any interest from anyone else in the idea of providing vocal talent for something like that? Would you be interested in that? Oh, uh, would we provide vocal talent? Would we like to make audiobooks? Is that what you're asking us? Yes. Yes! (laughs) That's like all I've ever wanted to do. Sign me up. Any any podcaster will want to do voiceover work. (laughs) That's, uh, and specifically audiobooks. Uh, I passionately love them. James, uh, we have a favorite audience. Yeah, we have a <laughs> And he almost came on our show. Oh, it's so close. Um, yeah, so that's also a... If you, also, if you want us to make audiobook versions of your fan fiction, mm-hmm. we're up I for that. <laughs> yeah. Like, this, this hobby does have, like, a built-in, like, set of people who, whether or not they want to admit it, love the sound of their own voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, if you were like, hey, uh, you know, I want to hire people to do my audiobook, I'd be like, sign me up immediately. Yeah, that sounds really fun. Yeah. We have time for a couple more questions. I'm sure this is confusing. You win, back. So this might be kind of out of left field, mm-hmm. but a lot of the advice that you've been giving kind of has this presumption of designers that are normative and don't have disability and can mm-hmm. speak on a podcast and then themselves is something that is contemporary, marketable, and sellable. What kind of advice do you have if someone's not that well, I, our, our actual play model works well for people who don't, uh, who, who can't, uh, you know, bring their voice to back their product, uh, because you can send us the rules and just pay us to play the game, or, you know, if we <coughs> fall in love with the game, and I know falling in love with the game isn't concrete, like, paying guarantees you get on the show, falling in love also gets you on the show. Uh, so, if a person, uh, cannot for whatever reason sell themselves through voice, uh, at least one shot can do a thing where we run the game, uh, and that sells the game. Because it's not just you selling the game, the game is selling the game. It's a well-designed product that's interesting to play. So, there you go. I, I really, really feel you on the, like, on on the questioning, like, marketability and, like, recognizing that some people, for reasons completely beyond their own control, are just straight up more or less marketable. Like, and that sucks really bad. And that's why my advice, truly, is to be yourself. Yeah. Because I see in this hobby so much people want to support other people, um, not because they're, like, normatively attractive or, like, or like <laughs> neurotypical yeah. or, like, all these kinds of things that are normally associated with success and specifically media success. I see so many people who want to support this person's game because I met that person at a convention and they were sweet and quiet and lovely and, like, just a wonderful human. We're not into this hobby because we're normative, you know. Like <laughs> that's, uh, but there's still like no, there absolutely, yeah, especially yeah, if there's absolutely. anything. I've 
broke out about like the first few times that I knew I was going to have to go on video, you know, because it's just like, well, that's changing the game. I'm used to being a voice. I'm comfortable being a voice. I'm not comfortable with all of the things that are going to happen now that I have video added added mm. to yeah. my personality. Um, but uh, what I'd say um, that's if you reach out and say, I'm not sure how to do this, but I care and want to. Um, I know we would always work to try to find what we can do best. I think a show where we talk about X person and why we all think they're the coolest person, <laughs> even if they would never feel comfortable showing up themselves, would be an interesting, fun show. Yeah, discussion you know? shows especially. Like, you can reach out and do a piece of sponsored content. Be like, hey, I would like to sponsor you guys discussing this topic as maybe a bonus episode. Uh, and that topic like ties in directly to your game. Start it with the episode starts with a pitch of your game. The discussion is a really uh, specific detail that makes your game great. Uh, and then like maybe have them seed the game throughout. That way, uh, you still get the full effect of like you having been your, on the show because they're applying their expertise to your area of expertise, and it will get people fired up mm-hmm. about the game. And uh, the other thing I want to add is that I see, I mean, at Metatopia specifically, I see folks who, um, you know, are not normal, normally able, normatively abled or, you know, do not have normative gender expression. Um, and the fact that they are out here doing their thing is actually, like, massively, um, I think, encouraging to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I feel your concerns for real. Yeah. All right, let's see. We do have time for one more question. Uh, just who's the favorite person you've had on your respective shows? <laughs> wow, that's really that's hard. So mean. <laughs> yeah, I, it, I'm not can, asking who do you think is the best. Who did you personally enjoy having on interacting with? The most? So I, I'd say the fan freakout moments for me that I had, like it has nothing to do with games. Uh, having Chris Sims on for Feng Shui was like a big thing for me because I'm really into comics, and also having Jess Fink on kind of oh, blew my amazing. mind. Uh, so yeah, nothing to do with games. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've I've honestly enjoyed all of our guests um, so much. Like that's why I'm doing an interview show now is because I just love talking to people so much, um, and they've all been so sweet and so um, unexpected in terms of how the conversation has actually turned out, and that is so great to me. But it's Emily, right? <laughs> in terms of like my reaction to it happening, Emily Care Bus. Really, really, this was super early on in the project too, when we were like not, we were not very profesh at this time, and somehow we tricked Emily Care Bus into coming on the show, and I was like, <gasps> but then it was a really nice chat, and yeah, we had a good time. So yeah, I right. uh, I think mine also has like nothing to do. It's um, they're just comics, like uh, Molly Ostertag getting to. Talk to her and make a connection with the New York comics indie crowd, uh, like because there were a bunch of them. Uh, was really neat. So now we have friends at like Cake and Small Press Expo and stuff. Um, and uh, I am blanking on his name. The guy who makes Rat Queens. Oh, uh, Curtis Weeb. Curtis Weeb. Yeah, that was really cool. He was also that was uh, he's in Canada, and it was just like, are we going to be able to make this connection study? Because we've had problems, uh, and uh, it went great. And there was a ghost during yeah. midway through that episode. Yeah, there was a haunting. Well, I, I can <laughs> tell you guys about the haunting after the episode. Uh, but I do want to say that 
great piece of advice. Uh, if you want to get on shows, be a successful comic artist. Yep, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. With, with that said, uh, Kat and I have prepared a handout for you guys with a list of shows and what they do. These are just shows that we know, that we know people from, and yeah. that we're like, well, we like them. There are dozens and thousands of more shows, uh, but these guys I know will like at least do something with you. Uh, I have Kevin and Robin talk about uh, stuff on there. They only do ads, uh, and those ads are $25 for an ad spot. And a lot of those spots are mid-roll. They don't know how to price their mid-roll ads. (laughs) Nobody tell Ken. Also, Uh, before you all depart, uh, Meg, would you mind standing? (laughs) Megan Dornbrock! Meg is also joining the the One Shot Network soon. I just wanted to throw out, I didn't see who asked the question, but um, I am a non-normative podcaster, so if there are people that you have in mind or things like that, I would love to do anything I can to make them comfortable on the show, because that's near and dear to my heart. But talk a bit about your show, Uh, so people... Yeah. Yeah, That's probably important. (laughs) Um, It's called Modifier, and we're talking to um, game designers, people who just kind of play at home, you know, home rules, homebrew, anything that you kind of do to make the game that you want to play, so we're focusing on... How you make your game, how you tell your stories, that sort of thing. So it's an interview show, but what excites? What's really exciting to me about it is that it's just like we're we're trying to legitimize homebrew because we think it's super legitimate and that it doesn't get enough press. So please, if you do that, talk to Meg. Yeah. So that uh, everybody, please grab one of these flyers up here, uh, and thank you so much for attending thank our you. panel. And I've got business cards as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> well, it's not good. Yeah, four plus.